Would you please join me in a prayer for illumination? Lord God, author of our great story, open our hearts and minds this day to the truth you revealed through the words of Jesus. Through your spirit, make these readings come alive, not only in our imagination, but in the work of our daily lives, till all the world reflects your kingdom. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, our last parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field, which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought the field. And the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and he sold all that he owned and bought it. The word of God for the people of God. So I um, am excited about treasures and pearls. Uh, one of the treasures that I've enjoyed the last four weeks is sitting in the pews, listening to a really good sermon every Sunday. Uh, I don't know if you notice, I mean, we are blessed with so many good preachers here um, that it's been four weeks since I've been in the pulpit. I've enjoyed uh, to hear sermons from uh, a layperson, uh, from our intern, and from one of our associates. Uh, so it's nice uh, to have heard the gospel proclaimed and nice to be here with y'all now. When I think about treasures and pearls, I think about what possesses us. What are those things that are so powerful in our lives that they shape us? Those things that possess us and shape us could be as uh, simple as a gift or a talent. Have you ever heard the phrase that if um, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail? Some of us have one gift and it should be applied in all places, right? It shapes us, it changes us. We get known as a doer or a thinker. We get known as an organizer or a competitor. But there's so much more to us than just that. I was surprised at how easily my family could be possessed and shaped. A couple of years ago, we found um, a rescue dog at SPCA. Um, people ask, well, what kind of dog is he? And I go, well, he's ours, right? I mean, ain't no papers or thoroughbred in this one. Uh, but he looks like uh, Toto from The Wizard of Oz. His, his name's Jackson. Um, uh, and Jackson has possessed us and shaped us. I love that uh, bumper sticker that says about rescue dogs, who rescued who? Right. Um, now, um, for the longest time, the Camerino family has been tiny but mighty. There's been three of us, right? Uh, and most everything in the house um, is uh, a girl or woman decided, right? I'm the only guy, but hey, now the Jackson's with us. I got a member on my team, you know? Now it's the girls versus the boys, right? It's amazing how much one can be shaped and possessed by the most simple things. It's also true to say that uh, some people in our community or in our country get very possessed by the lottery, 
right? They make it a part of their regular religious habit to purchase that lottery ticket, to look for the wealth that might come, right? We get shaped by those opportunities. We get shaped by those possessions. Jesus tells a story in the scripture reading for today about two separate uh, parables. They are about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples, talking about what does it mean to find the kingdom of heaven? You have one story where uh, there is a, a gentleman walking through a field and literally trips over a hidden treasure, right? And turns back around and realizes what he's found. Sells all that he owns and purchases the field and enjoys the treasure. We have another story of a merchant of pearls, a, a jeweler, if you will, spending uh, his whole life purchasing and selling and polishing and especially looking for the pearl of great price. That, that pearl that would be uh, one of quality, that one that would be um, mythic, historic, extravagant. And then one day the merchant is doing his uh, work of buying and selling pearls and comes across that pearl to beat all pearls. What does he do? He goes and sells his whole inventory of jewelry and pearls to purchase the pearl of great price. What is it like to uh, be in your regular routine of life and to come across something that so disrupts your routine of life that you sacrifice and risk so that it could be part of your life? Treasures and pearls. When we look at uh, this particular set of scriptures, I want you to know that any of you talk to the intern, uh, he's made an impact on me. I got one Greek word and three points for this sermon. Right? As a change happens, right? <laughs> the first thing to notice about the, uh, both the pearl of great price and the hidden treasure is that uh, God has a treasure for you, whether you're an expert spending your career looking for it, or whether you're just wandering through the backyard and trip over it. That God has a, a message for you, that God has a, a purpose for you, that it's not necessary for us to be the expert looking for it, nor do we have to wait and wander until we find it. But both the story of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price tell us about that purpose. Some of us are wanderers. It's okay to wander. Some of us are experts in a field. It's okay to dig deep and to drill down and to know all that you can know about one thing, that neither one is better than the other. But what is important is to be watching for that great treasure, that great message, that possession that possesses you. Notice that in both stories, there is a change that happens. In fact, the Greek word for transformation is metanoia. Metanoia, we, we see it in the man who purchases, sells everything he owns to purchase the field that the hidden treasure is in. Sells all he owns. That's change. The, uh, the merchant also sells his whole inventory to purchase the pearl of great price. 
I really wonder what does that mean in our life today? I mean, look next to you. If there is a spouse or a friend, if there is a child or a parent, look at them and say, hey, hey, we're going to sell all we own and we're going to follow the Astros. Some of you said amen way too quickly. But imagine what is it like to sell everything you own having found the one thing of great purpose. Now, um, it's not to say that one needs to liquidate your assets. I think what really scripture is trying to say is that a transformation must take place, that there must be a, a metanoia, there must be a leaving of the old and a finding of the new. There must be a change that happens that marks the difference between before and after. One might look towards the caterpillar the, the caterpillar and the butterfly, right? The caterpillar is, is cute and pokey, kind of a little bit fuzzy, wanders along in its own way, right? Lots of little feet, right? Sometimes poisonous, you know, it's, it's just a matter of the deal, right? But the caterpillar goes through a transformation by building a cocoon and finding itself crafted and changed into a butterfly. And notice the pokey caterpillar becomes the beautiful flighting butterfly. The perspective is different. The mode of transportation is different. Everything about the caterpillar gets lost for the finding of the new life as a butterfly. Transformation, metanoia. My um, second point is notice that the caterpillar leaves it all. There's no vestige of caterpillar that stays around. It's butterfly or bust for transformation. Notice the same is true for the person who finds the hidden treasure or the merchant with the pearl of great price. That if you find the key, if you find the message, if you find the gospel, if you find the thing that sets you free, you don't worry about keeping up with the Joneses, no offense to Alan Duran. You don't uh, work hard to try and meet the expectations of others. There's a new ruler, a new success, a new opportunity. You find yourself living into the moment and leaving everything behind. I think what's interesting about these two stories for me is that it is not about what is found, but it is about how one acts after finding it. What do you do in response to the hidden treasure or to the pearl of great price? That selling all, that total buy-in, that becoming a part of a new experience. And that's really the noteworthy moment, right? We've all read the studies of um, the quickest predictor of bankruptcy is winning the lottery. It's not that you won the lottery, it's what do you do with it? How has your life changed and transformed because of it? Figuring out how we respond is an important part. I, um, I'm uh, fascinated with a story that's been in the news lately about a family who purchased the uh, treasure hunting rights for a portion of the Florida Keys. Now, I don't know about you, but that is certainly a con that would have happened to me, right? You go to Florida, hey, buddy, we'll give you a free meal if you'll listen to a, you know, a, a, um, a pitch about how to buy treasure hunting rights. Oh, yeah, Amy, let's go. Sounds great. <laughs> but apparently this is legit. 
And so this family for the last three years, uh, their vacation has been to go for a week down to the Florida Keys and to go treasure hunting in their little plot of sea. The first year they found about $5,000 worth of gold coins. <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The second year it increased. This last time they went down, they found a million dollars in gold coins. And some of you are thinking, hey, hey, what do the flights to Florida Keys look like these days? But is it not unlike this space, this sanctuary, this moment, you, the Bible, your relationship with God. I mean, you know where the riches are. You know where the field is. You just need to trip over the hidden treasure. You, you, you've spent your whole life evaluating and looking and listening to people who talk about having the real answer and the right truth and the gospel message. But now you've stumbled across it. Are, are you willing to buy a piece of the property are you willing to spend your vacations? Are you willing to continue to go back to the well? Not hoping to find something. This isn't random chance, but this is about spending your time getting to know the creator of all, getting to know the one who died for us and allowing your life to be possessed and transformed by that pearl of great price, the gospel message. I think it's interesting to think about how over the last nine weeks, we have uh, served up a parable after parable after parable, all about the kingdom of heaven, all about this new reality that God invites us into. And along the way, we've asked you to respond to the message proclaimed. We have uh, eaten in the middle of the day uh, on the grounds of the food basket so that we might get to know people who volunteer and utilize the food basket. Those people who are food insecure, who go hungry. Uh, I remember before that lunch, people saying, yeah, there's nobody hungry in Lake Jackson. We found them. We um, uh, invited you into a place uh, where you could write a note uh, asking for forgiveness from someone you've done wrong. We've invited you into a place where you could write down just between you and God, one little piece that is holding you back from selling all that you have and being a part of God's mission. We invited you to leave it in prayer uh, here in the sanctuary. We invited our neighbors in the apartment complex next door to come and have dinner with us on the grounds. Yes, it was January and it was 90 degrees, but it was fun and it was fellowship and it was exciting to eat with our neighbors. We have had an opportunity throughout the nine weeks to take that next step, uh, to allow the gospel to possess us and to shape us, to have it determine our actions and our lives and the place where we are. We even revamped, revamped Vacation Bible School from a five-day extravaganza to a weekend of family discipleship. We invited families to come on Friday night. The fellowship hall was filled as they ate a meal together, did a craft together, learned how to care for others together, and played games. I mean, this is not like the deep academic, uh, you know, uh, sermon moment, but I heard families say, thank you. We haven't sat at a table in weeks and had a meal. I heard families say, thank you. I haven't had a chance to play with my kid in forever. I heard families say thank you for letting us make a simple washeroo together. Sure, it's not the numbers of previous programs, but maybe it's quality 
instead of quantity. Maybe it's discipleship. Maybe it's finding that pearl of great price and deciding that you'll sell all. You'll give up the numbers. You'll give up the approval of the bishop. You'll give up the um, uh, keeping up with the neighbors and instead sell everything you have so that your family can be a part of that amazing movement of the gospel. It's kind of like uh, buying the rights to a spot where you can do treasure hunting. But it's not a risk. It's not a random moment. It's knowing where the treasure is and deciding you'll spend the rest of your days giving your life for that message. I wonder what it will be like for us these next weeks, these next months. What will it be like as we sell all we have, metaphorically, and spend our lives deep into the gospel, seeing what God has in store for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.